Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. It kind of struck me, as I'm sure it must have struck most of you guys, that the, the meaning of the cross, the true meaning, has kind of been diluted or we've forgotten. Even though we know, we don't really take it. Even though we do it communion every first Sunday, or some of you do it more often than that, we don't really, really take it to heart what the cross really means. So I pray that, you know what, by the end of today, if I communicate nothing else, at least you would leave here understanding that the cross is very, very important to us as believers. Without the cross, we could all be hanging out, enjoying the sun, and don't waste our time being here. So um, let's just pray, and let's see what the Lord has to say. Uh, Lord, we thank you first and foremost, Lord, for being here today. Lord, we thank you for such a lovely day, Lord, um, that we can come into your house, Lord, and spend time in your presence, Lord. Not that we should use this as the only occasion, Lord, but we just thank you that we're here, Lord. And we know we're not here by coincidence, Lord, but by your, by your invitation, Father. So I just pray, Lord, that you would increase, Lord, and I may just disappear, Lord. You may take charge, Lord, of this entire session, Lord. I give it over to you, Lord, because I don't have anything really, Lord, to offer but you, Father. So I pray, Lord, that you may just use me, Lord, as a conduit, Lord, to speak here today, Lord. I ask this, Lord, through your son, Jesus. Amen. Um, maybe by the way of an introduction, I'll, I'll maybe ask some questions. Um, some say today the cross means nothing, or it doesn't mean as much as it should be, as it should have uh, back then. Um, some say this is because, one, there are churches, there are clergy, clergymen running corrupt churches, they're doing what they like um, from where I stand. Others say, um, we focus on the death of Jesus too much. So as a result of that, we create division among the body. They said, why not focus on him, his tolerance, his forgiveness, and his love? All true. But I hope by the end we see that we can't take one without the other. We have to get that balance. And more importantly, he didn't die so that we really could have an opinion as such. He sets the tone we follow. Um, others say, through his death, his trials and tribulation, it was him overcoming his basic nature and by, by, and by doing that achieve a higher level of consciousness. The first thing come to mind, you might say the Rastafarians. Good on you, if you got that. Um, even the Muslims have their take on it. They say he wasn't uh, crucified, he was taken up. And uh, I don't know if you guys um, go around right about now, everybody is doing their form of evangelism. A couple of weeks back, went to Croydon, and they even gave, they have a booklet, and it's the cross. And in that booklet, they give you scriptures Say, quoting what the Bible says about the cross and trying to denounce it, 
trying to make it look as if it's silly, but looking at it, the first thing you find out, they haven't looked at it to its final conclusion. If they did, they would have realized the cross is, just, is, is much more than just the Lord being crucified and where it says in Deuteronomy, he who hangs on a cross is cursed. It's much more than that. And just maybe before I go into it more, a couple of weeks ago in the Metro, they had a, a small article about this, and it said the scientist, he was trying to find the truth. And guess what? In, by virtue of him doing that, he actually says that Genesis is correct. Genesis is correct. So, but he, he's not, he hasn't gotten to the point where he has made the Lord his savior, but at least he has recognized that God is real or there is something there that created the earth we live in. It's not by chance, yeah? Um, also, some may say it's just a good story that you were told when you were a kid and it keeps you in check. You behave yourself. You obey the law of the land. You have a good code of conduct. All good stuff. Or some may say, it gives you, it's a gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a, a gift of salvation, of redemption, and of Jesus dying for our sins so we don't have to die. Even in modern society, today we see, um, if you look around, television, paintings, movies, music, you would see reference made to, to Jesus. If you look at Michelangelo, if you want to go back a couple centuries, um, you see how he did a, a painting of the crucifixion of Jesus. There is also Caravaggio. He did a, uh, one of Peter being upside down crucified. Then you look at um, Salvador Dali. He did one, and it was Corpus Hyperbupus. It's one where it's like a 3D image. I don't know if you've seen it, and you see him on the cross like this with the the nails through his like risk. In movies, Ben Hur was the first one to kind of illustrate and show that Jesus, the nails through his hand. Then you had in the Superman just Wednesday, we were just chatting and it came up. You see, imagery is one of the movies that images the way Jesus is in terms of Superman being this all powerful person that you know oversees the whole universe. Um, in music, I don't know if you guys remember the Madonna video, um, Like a Prayer, the Black Jesus, the, the blood and stuff. Also, Tupac, the um, Machiavelli, the album sleeve with him crucified again on, on the cross. If you look, if you, for those who are CSI fans like myself, you remember that series where Grissom, he, Grissom, he went into the church and then he actually explained what the crucifixion was because somebody was crucified on it. And it actually gave a very accurate um, depiction and explanation of what it means to be crucified. I wouldn't go into it yet, because um, you're going to miss the whole later on. Um, and this one you can't miss as jewelry, accessories. You, if you look at the videos, you see it down to their ankles, swinging, it's big, you can't miss it. Even as Christians, we wear it. Um, I just hope by the time we finish today, when you look at the cross, it will take on a totally different meaning. Um, and some use it as an affliction gear. What is a cross? If uh, you look in a dictionary or you had to define it, it they would, you may get a definition like this. A representation of the structure on which Jesus was crucified used as, as an emblem of Christianity. We could agree with that. It can, it can also be defined as an affliction 
as any affliction that causes great suffering. Affliction is pain, distress, burden. Um, I remember um, growing up back home, they used to say, like, this person, they, they, they carry their affliction well. Um, or they bear the cross well. I didn't know what it means until I actually started. I heard it. I remembered it. Never meant anything until now. Looking at the cross, what it means, what Jesus did. Taking on the burden, that stress, the distress, the pain for us. The cross in and of itself doesn't really mean anything. You may say, well, how could you say that? When it's cursed. And it went all the way back to Deuteronomy. The thing is, the cross wasn't real, or crucifixion wasn't known among the Jewish people as a practice. There were four methods of death which they used strangulation, decapitation, stoning, and the third one, the fourth one. Sorry. And the fourth one, which was not crucifixion, crucifixion. it was not among them. The, the other nations around them may have practiced it, but it wasn't really practiced by the Jewish people as a result of Deuteronomy 21, which we would read in a while. Crucifixion is an ancient method of painful execution in which a condemned person is tied or nailed to a large wooden structure. And that's stating the obvious. If you've been looking, if you, for those of us who came from Catholic uh, Church, you would have seen many, many, many different pictures and I guess as much our image, the image we have of crucifixion is really painted by what we have seen and not by what we, we really know as such. Because you look wrong in all the various paintings in churches, in magazines, you'd see a white Jesus, blonde, and you see var it varies. Um, but the, the truth is, no one really knows definitely what it really looked like. But some historians did give an account um, crucifixion comes from the Latin word crucifixo, uh, meaning to be fixed to a cross. Crucifixion is made up of two words, cruci, meaning cross, and the verb fixed, meaning to be fixed or do. So they combine the two together and you get the word crucifixion. The Persians and the Cartesians, they were the first to practice crucifixion way back how many centuries ago. But then the Romans, they took it on about the 16th century AD to the 4th century. They brought it to the Mediterranean. And it is said that they perfected the art of crucifixion. Because at that time, you have to bear in mind, they were the superpowers at, the, at that time. So you, if you're kind of looking at a little cultural aspect to it, you'd realize that they kind of was, the, the, they ruled things. And they kind of brought a, that added perfection to whatever they did in general. Yep, so as a result of that, they really kind of put the pain into the crucifixion. They made it really, really, really painful. Um, not only that, in 337 years, the Emperor Constantine I abolished crucifixion out of reverence for God, for Jesus who died. The earliest writing regarding the cross which Jesus was crucified on speaks of a T, a Greek tau, or composed of an upright and transverse beam towards which a small ledge in the upright 
So you, you have the transverse beam, you have the straight beam, and then you normally see like at the foot of it, you have a little, um, a little block to kind of support the weight of the condemned person. The art of crucifixion was said to be, as I mentioned, to be perfected by the, by the Romans. Josephus, a Jewish historian, described many tortures and position of the, of the crucifixion during the siege on Jerusalem as Emperor Titus crucified the rebels around 66 AD. Now, around that time, they, uh, the Romans and the Jews were in war, and the Romans did conquer the Jews at that time. And uh, Josephus, who is actually supporting accounts in John and various um, Gospels, is here saying, you know what? He didn't only see one type, as we may see, but there were several types of cross. Also, Seneca the Younger recounts, I see cross not of one kind, but made in many ways. Some have their arms on a giblet. A giblet is a, a gallow-like structure. So if you, if you remember what a gallow looks like, it's like this one bit across, and then it's like the rope is hanging here. So you've seen them hanging from that. And this was really used to deter existing or potential criminal. Um, I guess as much, maybe I shouldn't say this, but if we had something like that that kind of communicates such pain today, um, we may not have a lot of the stuff we have happening in society. Crucifixion was for slaves, rebels, priests, and especially despised criminals and enemies. Therefore, it was considered a, a most shameful and disgraceful death. And if you want to Turn your Bibles to Galatians 3.13. We just read. I'll just read on. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hanged on a tree. Jesus became the curse, so we wouldn't have to die on the cross. In Deuteronomy, if you want a reference to the Old Testament, 21-23 says, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is accursed by God. You shall not defile your land, which is the Lord your God gives, which the Lord your God gives to you as an inheritance. Both passages referencing each other. You see here, Jesus... New Testament now taking on the burden and the shame. But not only taking it on, despising the shame and enjoying the cross. So we can sit here today. We can sit here today and have the benefit of the grace which he has extended to us. Maybe it's interesting to note as well, the Roman citizens were exempt from crucifixion. It was not even meant to be spoken among them. But guess what? They did have exemptions. In case of high treason, they would crucify you. I guess as much treason as it is today is considered very serious and you don't want anybody um, carrying out such. And the aim of crucifixion was not really to kill, but to mutilate and dishonor the condemned. The body was left Maybe this is, would tie in with, with, with Deuteronomy's explanation. The cultural aspect is that in Roman society, 
If you were crucified and you were left there, it was considered a grave dishonor. There was no other dishonor that you could have put on same level with the crucifixion. That's how they, they, they looked at it. As a, not only from scripture, but as a culture, the crucifixion, they didn't, they didn't like it at all. It was a dishonor. So if your family member had died, they would actually take you down and bury you because to leave you there would be a dishonorable death. Let's look at what happened during that when you, once the person has been crucified. Now remember, this is what Jesus went through for us. The death, they said, could have resulted from a combination of causes, including blood loss. In that, there you had asphyxiation. The condemned person would have difficulty inhaling due to hyperextension of the chest muscle and lung. As a result, the condemned would therefore have to lift himself up. And by doing so, he would get exhausted. But not only that, in order to hasten the death, what they will do, the same little stool that they put, they would actually break the legs of the condemned person. So once they have broken the leg, you can't su sustain yourself anymore, this, and then you'll die, because all the pressure on your lungs, your internal organs, it quickens the death. Also, hypervolemic shock, which is due to hemorrhaging or dehydration or septic infection caused by scourging that preceded the crucifixion. So if you remember the passion you remember that jesus was beaten and then he was crucified so when i when i looked at it it's almost like if they were in preparation to be crucified they prepared the body to receive as much pain as possible because they would beat that person and you'd hear the um explanation given of the cat of nine tails with the little bones at the end so when you beat the person you would be taking away flesh as well um and that happened before even being nailed to the cross The crucifixion was so painful that the word excruciating literally came from crucifixion, the word crucifixion. Um, and I know some of you may feel a little pain and you're like, oh man, this is excruciating. Just times that by the end power of a thousand and you just begin to picture what Jesus went through for us. There, there are several accounts of the crucifixion. You have John, you have Mark, you have Matthew. But today, for the purposes, I'll look at John and I'll look at Mark. If you want to turn to John 19, 19.22. And here we will begin to see what really occurred. We will begin to kind of see the shame that the Lord <laughs> went through for us. Not only the pain, but the shame. That's why we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. Because the Lord went through, and he didn't have to. And the scripture says he made himself of no reputation. And every time you bear that in mind, you have to remember the flip side to that. He could have easily called on angels and just, that was it. But he didn't because he had a mission in mind. It says, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the places where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin. 
In those days, those were the spoken languages. And guess what? I guess as much you didn't want anybody to kind of misinterpret or don't know what was written. So everybody would have been able to understand what was written on that cross. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but say that he said, I am the king of the Jews. So here you see the high priest of the Jews now distancing himself from what's happening here. Even though they were the ones who kind of caused him to be where he is because they never listened, they never believed him, he now is saying, but remove king of the Jews. Put that he said. Um, but Pilate was like, no. And you, get, you also get the impression that in writing that, Pilate really, maybe he didn't know what he was, what he was writing, but it is, it is and it was the truth. He was the king of the Jews. He is the king of the Jews today. And there's no other Messiah coming to save them. And by Jesus dying there, he didn't only die for the Jews, he died for us. So that we, again, could have everlasting life. Maybe you could just note as well, in Roman times, as a cultural practice, that once they sentenced someone, it wasn't changed. So once Jesus was sentenced, that was it. His fate was all, you could say, sealed. Mark 15. We're going to look at 28. Um, and the scriptures was fulfilled, which Jesus, which said, and he was numbered with the transgressors. It's not that he was a sinner, he transgressed God's laws, but he died with them. The sin, the unrighteous, the, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, so that we would be justified. And, and they that passed by railed on, on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroys the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priest mocking said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the king of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. So here we see the mocking. Not not just a high priest, but everyone is saying, well, yeah, if you, if you say you're the king, well, why don't you come down? You save everybody else. Save yourself. <laughs> I, 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 sometimes when I, when I looked at this, I'm thinking, if we were placed in that position, how would we have reacted? Would pride have gotten the better of us and we'd be like, you know what, I'm not having this. He said he would build, he would break it down and he would build it back up in three days. They didn't understand what he was saying. They didn't quite understand. They were just looking at the physical, the natural, thinking not in the spiritual realm. What are you talking about? Is it going to be three days? Okay, well, where's the temple? You can't even come down from the cross. You can't even save yourself. The shame, this is the shame and the suffering that the Lord went through. The shame and I think that's what I want to emphasize, especially here. 
the shame which you went through for us. When you look at um, the, the whole thing to do with salvation and repentance and stuff, you'd come across the, t- the term atonement. And atonement is uh, some act that pays or erase one's sin. So if you want to put something right, you go and you do something to get it right. Jesus died. He became a sacrifice. He became that lamb for us. Hebrews 9, 11, 15, and this one is definitely correct. Um, if you guys want to make notes, you could note it up because I'll just, I'll just read on. Um, Pastor Patrick tell me I should be aware of the time, so I don't want to. Um, I think we're well within the time anyway, so you guys might have an early lunch today. Yeah? It said, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this world, not of this building, sorry, some may have not of this creation, neither by blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered and once entered the holy place, having obtained the eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ? who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from all dead works to serve the living God. To purge of all dead works. I like that. And for this cause, he is the mediator. He is the go-between. He's the negotiator. He's the third person. He's the intermediary. He's the person, the go-to guy. You want to get to the Lord, you go to Jesus. You've been invited to church, you don't know who to go to when you get here. They say, or talk to one of the ushers. They know what to do. The go-to, he's a go-between. You go into a, a building or office place, or you want to get to, to someone, you had to make a telephone call, they put you through somebody. A go-between person. Jesus went there and he filled that gap for us. He became that go-to guy. He goes there and he intercedes on our behalf. Of, he became, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first statement, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. The promise that was made. So this act sealed the deal if you want to put it that way that the promise which was made before is now a guarantee um, in the Old Testament the Levitical high priests were the ones who would enter the holies of holy on behalf of the Jewish people um, but you see here on this occasion Jesus became the high priest for us a more perfect tabernacle not created by nature. Jesus offered himself once. It was a one-off deal. It wasn't going back and you could redeem the card and then, okay, I made a mistake. Sorry, it's not in the frame. It's a one-off deal Jesus did. 
He doesn't have to go through the same process again for us. Once he died on that cross and his blood shed, that was it. If the blood of goats and calves could do so much, what about that perfect, perfect blood of Jesus Christ who washes away everything so that we don't have to do anything? We can't do anything. Jesus died intentionally and he did it willingly. He wasn't coerced or encouraged like Patrick Nov encouraged me today, this morning. Jesus went willingly. Son, this is what you have to do. But he did so show his human side when he said, Lord, take this from me. Lord, why have you forsaken me? But even in that, the burden, the burden of the sin on him was so great that he had to cry out. The, the scripture says he, he sweated blood. So could you imagine the burden of that sin weighing on him. I mean, I, I like to kind of visualize certain things, and I just want to, if you guys want to, you know, get that picture of him there and sweating blood. It's a little warm, and we say, oh, it's so hot, it's so hot. Could you imagine that pressure on him? In First John 2, 2, it says, and he became the expiation or the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the world of the whole world sorry here the writer is stating that Jesus did it for the benefit of all of us not some of us everyone everywhere to reconcile us back to Jesus to redeem us back to him as I mentioned earlier, in the Old Testament, it was a practice that they, they did kill animals. You get a nice lamb, they took it up, one they would slaughter, and the other they would let go so it could run as far as possible. They said that when the, the one that ran, it like was running with the sin. But we see Jesus, he took that on. He became that lamb. So we don't, ha we don't have to run. Bring us back into relationship. So that's why today we could sit here and we could build a relationship with the Lord. As I, said, as I would say to some of the guys most times when we have like Bible studies, you could have whatever relationship you want with the Lord. You could have a good one. You could have a so-so one. You could have one that's indifferent. Or you could have a bad one. It's up to you. It's you to work and to build that relationship with the Lord. He done his bit. Not that he would stop. But he has done, he has taken care of really the bulk of the matter. First uh, Peter 3.18, I'll just read on. For Christ also had once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened. Quicken means to bring back alive. He came back alive. If he died and he didn't resurrect, he didn't come back to life, the spirit didn't lift him again, then as I said earlier, I would be wasting my, my time here trying to communicate 
why we should remember the cross. But he was, re he was resurrected by the Holy Spirit, which, assured, which is an assurance to us of all that he has done and said in his word. You could take it to the bank. It's a done deal. It's guaranteed. It's, it's not like checks you paid or maybe even to give, use the bank as, a, as an example today, it's both good and bad at the same time because look at what's happening. You go to the bank and you guarantee, yes, certain things will be done. But if you look at it today, the last place you want to put your money is in the bank. You put your faith in Jesus, <laughs> it's guaranteed. Don't take my word for it. Read your Bible. Check it out. We can only encourage you. I could stand here all day. But if you don't go and check it out for yourself and get that assurance, it's good listening and saying, yeah, I believe you. But when you read it, it takes on a totally different meaning. It's the same thing as if somebody telling you something and you don't experience it. Once you experience it, everything changes. I used to hear that term, just to give you guys a little example. I used to do, um, I used to hear the term back-breaking. Came to England, needed to get some funds, got a job. It was packing. And there were boxes we had to lift, and it was for the guys to lift it. And that day, after I finished the first day, I, <laughs> I realized and understood what is meant by back-breaking because my back was almost pain in me, I could have sworn it was broken. But I know it wasn't. It was because of the work. You experience it, then you kind of, it brings on a different meaning. You come into relationship with the Lord, you spend time in the Word, and then you get to realize and to understand that God is real. And He doesn't go back on His Word. You ask me to do something for you, I might be like, oh, sorry, last minute, can't do it. Sorry, bro. I'll try not to, endeavor to, but sometimes you just can't. Jesus ain't going to say, oh, sorry, sorry, Ben, can't do it now, I'll call you back. No. And the thing to understand is where we can't put God, most times we try to fit God into what we want him to do. All right, um, Lord, I really believe in you, I trust you, but guess what? I want this done, and I want it done this way. Now, who do you think you are? You don't really go telling your parents that. Do you? The first thing they will look at you, or they'll give you a slap without even looking at you. Well, back home they'll do that. I don't know if they'll do that here. But we have the audacity to, to, to tell Jesus, you know what, Lord, I want you to do this for me. And if you do it in this way and by so-and-so time, I'm cool with that. Thank you. I praise you forever. I mean, last week, it was, I, you know what, last week I found Rob... The teaching was so encouraging in the sense that it wasn't a teaching where you go home and you labor and thinking, wow. But it was wow in the sense that it was simple, but it got to the point. What Jesus was all about. It got to the point. By virtue of that, I guess as much, we were justified by Jesus. We can't look at salvation. We can't look at the blood. We can't look at all of these things without looking at justification because that's what happened. We become justified. In other words, we become innocent once again. 
We can't do it by works. We can't do it in our own strength. It's not by ritual practice. Coming to church every Sunday, lifting your hands up. It's not by that. Not by somebody saying X among the prayers. Oh, you say X among the Holy Marys and you'll be fine. You're good to go. It's not about that. It's not after you die, somebody praying and saying, well, I'm interceding on your behalf because now you, you're going to be all right. You're going to meet him. It's not about that. We can't do anything. Acts 13, 39 says, And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. He says all that believe are justified. Not some, but all. In John 3, 14 to 16, and Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so much so the son of man be lifted up, pointing to Jesus, being lifted up on that cross for us, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't think I should, or do I need to explain it? I think it's so clear what it communicates here. All, not for some, not for Pete is only for you, you good, for everybody. No one is excluded. Jesus and prejudice, he don't have his little clique here and there. And when, when looking at this, the passage, it was two passages, Hebrews and Isaiah 53. 3 to 12. When I looked at those two passages, it communicates exactly to me what the cross is about. One in the Old Testament, Isaiah saying, you know what, this. And then Hebrews saying, look at this one. Both related and communicating the same thing that Jesus is going to come and this is what he's going to do. And I think Isaiah 53 encompassed everything about what the cross is all about, about the crucifixion. So we're going to read it. We're going to fit. Isaiah 53, read into 10. And maybe for those, if you don't have your Bible or you have your note, uh, notepad with you, you could note this. I'm going to read it again because I think, you know what, for us, this is just the whole, what Jesus went through for us. Everything covered the reassurance, what, he've done, what he has done, what is guaranteed for us, what he's taken care of already. It's like your, your parents leaving home, for maybe for those guys, especially who have left to go, uh, uh, Jamaica or Austria, and you're leaving somebody in charge. You tell them, all right, I've done this. This is what you need to do, and this is what I have done to take care of certain things that you may not have. So let's read. He says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had bore our grief and carried our sorrows, 
yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for the chastisements of our peace was upon and with his stripes we are you guys you are you underlining this no serious because you know on Wednesdays when when we do Bible studies you know we read something like this I'll be like you we need to underline this because when you go back you don't you don't want to forget this you're going through a rough patch this is where you want to look you want to call on this and say well yes he did Lord thank you All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own ways, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the sharer is dumbed, so he openeth not his mouth. All the way. He went like a lamb. I know you look at these programs now and you see um, animals being killed and everybody's like, oh no, I don't want to see. But Jesus went willingly. He went like a lamb. He didn't make any noise. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he was made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his debt. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. When, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Isaiah 53. Everything that we've spoken about, that we've looked at, that we've made mention to, is nicely package in this number of verses we've just read. Being stricken, being beaten, being bruised. The Lord, it's pleased the Lord to send him, to bruise him for us. What do we do in response? Do we say, all right, well, it's good. I understand that. We continue on on the same old journey we were before. Or do we take stock and we say, you know what, Lord? I believe you. It's not like what many, many people have said. My parents told me. I've heard my aunties. I've heard my uncles saying, you know what? And up to this day, he's not back yet. So it's just a good story. I'm happy. It's good for you guys here. You're you happy with your Christian stuff. Glad for you. Good on you. For me, I'm happy the way I'm going. Or is it time we really take stock? Both for those who are here today who profess to be Christians and not. 
Do we take stock and really look at this in the hard light of day? And say, God, if it's true, I need to fix up. Lord, if it's not, if it is true for those who don't believe, I need to make my life right with you. You know, the, the thing is, after spending some time, I remember, um, maybe even during this, I, I met up with Neil, and we were chatting, and I shared a scripture with him, and he was like, bro, stop reading. Because it's almost like, now that you know, the onus is on you now to do something about it. I remember reading Hebrews 10.26, and from the time I read it, I didn't want to read it anymore. I didn't want to even look at it again. Because it's saying, if, that, if Jesus died, as the only sacrifice for our sin, and we willingly sin, there is no other sacrifice. There is no other price to be paid. There is nothing else to be done. And I had to take some time out and kind of look at that and say, wow. The cross. Remembering the cross. Is it a symbol to you of just, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Your life don't match up to it? Is it just joining with the crowds and saying, yeah, 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 that's good, Roman time. But remember, history supports this. Josephus, Seneca the Younger, those guys who have read quotations from, they were known Romans and Jewish historians at that time. It's recorded. And all it did, it just supports what John, Mark, and Matthew has said. We seek the truth, we would find it. The truth is in the cross. What occurred on the cross? Jesus pouring out his blood, his life for us. We could have two attitudes to that as well. The two prisoners crucified with him give us a, a good example. One was like, yeah, why you don't come down the cross? The other was like, could I be with you in paradise? I know if I was there, I would like to say, could I be with you? I hedge in my bets. Just in case it's true. Yeah, we, we like to take risks. We like to take gamble. Why not gamble? People don't go gambling and look at a horse and say, well, that one is a bit limp. I'll bet on that one. Give me a hundred pounds on that one. No, you go for the winner. If you're a gambling person here today, gamble on the Lord. That's the only deal you guarantee that you're going to win on. I mean, we all struggle, even as Christians. I'm not here trying to say, you know what, it's all smooth. It's all going to be good. And you're not going to question at some point. Certain things would shake your faith. But it's how you deal with it. And that's when it really shows, does the cross mean anything to you? Something happened in your family life. Someone close to you. And it shakes you. And then you look and you say, Lord, um, why did that happen? But we just looked at Job recently. Look at Job as that example. That encouragement. Job lost everything. But he knew the God he served. He knew he didn't have anything, but God gave him everything. It's hard in the world we live in to have that mentality. Because every form of media you look at, it, it speaks to you. What you want, what you like. What you're going to do about it. How you're going to deal with it. 
And they really tell you until you get yourself in a position and realize there ain't much help to you. Because they ain't no coming and tell you how to get out of it. They're telling you how to get more into it. You know, I always encourage, like, in general, to, to keep abreast with the news. Some people say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't look at it. But when you look at it, when you listen to the news or you look at it, yeah, you hear the negative, you hear the negative, but it also kind of keeps you in line of what is happening, how far removed we've become from the word, from the gospel. We're so far away that maybe even after this, it's just like waters off a duck's back, the cross, all right. Oh, you touched a few good points. Good, I like that. Yeah, yeah. But it just rolls off your back. The cross is not to be taken lightly. After all, what, half an hour, 45 minutes? After all that is said and done, the cross is about this. The perfect and effective sacrifice of Jesus for a lost world. The perfect example of what love is and should be. Forgiveness, Jesus' death enabled the Lord to forgive us. Salvation and victory over death so we could have an eternal life. We could be reconciled to Jesus. We could have that relationship once again with the Lord. You guys are going to get really early today. That's it. Those five points. If, I guess as much if I would say, if you need to remember anything, remember those five points. Sacrifice, forgiveness, love, salvation, and victory over death. Not that we could do what we like, live any old how, but that we could have relationship with the Lord. And when we have that relationship with the Lord, everybody would see it. And I guess as much most recently to kind of, you know, the weddings, normally when we have weddings, everybody's like, wow, you guys are, man, the love. Get that relationship with the Lord and everybody would see that love because when they see you, they see Christ in you. Christ is what makes the difference because to be honest, I would consider myself to be very antisocial. I shouldn't be, but I would. I have my moments, I got my mood swings. But guess what? When the Lord come into the picture, you know you got to step back and let the Lord do his thing. You know you can't be doing, oh, yeah. Now, I want to tell you about the Lord, and at the same time, I want to do my own thing. It doesn't work like that. Jesus came for all or nothing. You go into a friendship or relationship with someone, you want all or nothing. Jesus didn't want part of you, some of you. He died for you. He wants all. He wants everything, the whole. He don't want part payment. You pay a bit here and a bit there. And oh yeah, in six months time, you'll complete. No, no, no. He wants all of us. All. Even the bits that we don't really like. The Lord knows already. Be hiding it. He knows already. He just wants you to give it over to him. He died for all of that. To wipe all of that away. He died so we could get up with a smile in the morning. And no matter what's happening around us. We have a joy because what? 
God died for me. You get up in the morning and the first morning, you go into work and you're thinking, you're a Christian. You're worse off than I am. Jesus died, so we have, we have a joy. We have a joy that we can share. Oh, why are you so happy? This is the reason why. This is the reason why, man. Yeah, but and you have an oldest. Yeah, but Jesus died, man. That's yeah, it's not easy, as I'm saying it, but guess what? It's easy once we start believing that he really did do that for us. He paid the price. Remembering the cross, crucifixion, the pain, the excruciating pain that he went through for us. You may hear, forget about the various stories and the, they tell you, oh, it wasn't in the palm, it was in the wrist, and it was tied, and it was a stake, it wasn't this. Insignificant. The fact is, he died for us. He went into that temple, into the Holy of Holies. But he had to, Jesus couldn't send anybody. He had to send his son, Pio, and walk into that temple and present himself a sacrifice. Not, we don't do any sacrifice. We don't slit any animals. We don't do burnt offerings. It's already done. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. We thank you for the cross, Lord, because without it, Lord, what we believe in, Lord, would be just written words on paper, Lord. But we know it's more than that, Lord. Lord, um, we just pray for everyone here today, Lord, that you know what? They may leave here, Lord, putting you more, Lord, at the center of their lives, Lord. After what, Lord, realizing the, the pain, Lord, you've gone through for us, Lord. Presenting yourself, Lord, as an offering, Lord. A living sacrifice, Lord, on our behalf, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that we may show, Lord, more appreciation, Lord, and recognition for what you have done for us, Lord, that we may be able to give an account, Lord, for the joy and the happiness, Lord, we have through you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and we ask all of this, Lord, through your son, Jesus. Amen.